Welcome to US Rail Journeys, Series 1, Episode 3, From San Francisco to Portland, Oregon. We travel on the Coast Starlight, Part 1. I'm now at the bus stop waiting for my bus connection, which takes me from the centre of San Francisco's financial district out to Emeryville Station where I shall be picking up the train in about an hour's time. We're heading up to Portland on the train overnight and through a lot of tomorrow and then I'll be spending two nights in Portland. We will then travel on to Chicago and onwards back to San Francisco but more about those trips later. Trains in the US are very different from those in the UK in many ways. They have named multi-day trains that run each day across the US So, for example, on a route that takes 50-plus hours to complete, such as the California Zephyr, you will actually have, at certain times of the day, three trains running in the same direction, all at different parts of the route. The other important thing to understand is that freight trains always have priority over passenger trains in the United States, and therefore passenger trains can, on occasion, depending on the needs of the freight trains, run many hours late at their destinations. Now Amtrak operates more than 300 trains a day, going to 500 different destinations. To put that into context, the Southwestern Railway Company operates 1,700 trains a day in and out of London. The very big difference is, though, that the Amtrak trains are, in the main, very long-distance trains. Now, in the year to September 2016, Amtrak recorded 31.3 million passenger journeys. As a comparison, nearly 100 million passenger journeys occur at Waterloo Station in London each year. Emeryville, the start and finish of our rail tour, recorded nearly 600,000 rail journeys last year. Portland, roughly the same number, And as far as Amtrak is concerned, Chicago had 3.247 million passengers travelling. Interestingly enough, Farnham, much closer to home, had nearly 1.7 million journeys. Now, Amtrak operates these long-distance trains with a number of different seating options. You can take coach, which is the US expression for economy or standard class and those passengers enjoy big comfortable seats plenty of legroom along with a just for you express meal service then there's business class where the passengers have the advantage of a dedicated coach and on the coast starlight route they also get invited to a wine and cheese tasting in the pacific parlor car which i believe happened earlier on today they get free wi-fi and water and access to metropolitan lounges at the stations. The trains that I'm travelling on also feature superliner sleeping and dining car accommodation. We will have sightseer lounge cars on all our trains and that provides seating for meals and also socialising and meeting people on the trains. It is my intention to talk to people on the trains, bring a bit of their story and life to our journeys across the United States. I'm now stood on the platform at Emeryville, having just got off the Amtrak throughway bus from the financial district in San Francisco. I was the only passenger who got on there, 
we had a couple of other stops and I think a total of 10 people were on this vast luxury coach. Anyway, we're due to depart from Emeryville at 2204. Emeryville is a small city with an area of less than one square mile located just north of the San Francisco-Oakland Bay Bridge, which we came over on our journey here. Major redevelopment in the 1980s and 90s transformed the former industrial city of Emeryville into a mixed-use urban centre with retail, entertainment and business centres, as well as lots of housing, parks and recreation trails. It's also home to Pixar, animation studios, wonderful people who made some brilliant films over the years. There are also several biotech and software companies based here. Just getting out of the way of the baggage cart as it went past. They're just announcing that the train arrives at 9.46pm. The Emeryville station was opened in 1993 and replaced a sta station in Oakland that was damaged by an earthquake in 1989. And this station is used by about 1,600 passengers on an average day. On leaving Emeryville, we will skirt the shore of first San Pablo Bay and then San Francisco Bay. And we'll be able to see BART trains or Bay Area rapid transport trains as we go through Richmond. It's been a hot day today. The sun has really shone beautifully and it's a lovely, lovely evening. And we stood out here on the platform, it's actually quite nice and cooling. train that's just arrived is making a special stop. It's actually going on to Oakland. Our train is due in a few minutes.
now on the train and in my roomette. As you'll have heard, I went a carriage too far and had to come back to get on the correct one. I've left my baggage in the baggage rack, which is on the lower level of this carriage, and I'm now on the upper deck where all the roomettes are. I've selected a roomette so that I hope to get some sleep on the train. This part of the carriage has roomettes on either side of a central corridor, and the width of a roomette is about two seat widths on a normal UK train, and the central corridor is like the aisle down the centre of a carriage. The roomette itself consists of two seats during the day, one facing in each direction, which can then convert into two bunk beds at night, one above the other. The first one comes out from the two seats, and then one folds down from the ceiling above. But as I'm by myself in my roomette, I shall only be using the lower bunk. Further down the carriage, the other side of the staircase upwards are some sleeper compartments which are twice the width of a roomette. The sleeper compartments are for those that need more space to move around. During the night we will travel through a number of places. I'm sad to say I don't intend to be awake to tell you about them as we pass through them, so I will be telling you about them now. The first station that we stop at will be Martinez, and that's at about 10 to 11. Although there are many competing claims, it claims the invention of the martini, with a plaque commemorating the event on a downtown street corner. The most prominent native of Martinez was Joe DiMaggio, the baseball player. The station at Martinez was opened in 2001 and 42 Amtrak trains stopped there on weekdays with around 1,300 passengers using the station each day. Once we pass through Martinez, we will go past Saison Bay where a mothball fleet consisting of World War II ships that have been stored for years can be seen. If it was daytime, we would also be able to see Mount Diablo at 3,849 feet. At about half past 11, we will be passing through Davis. The 1913 Spanish-styled mud-brick Davis station is an historic landmark. Around 1,200 passengers use the station each day. The city is home to University College Davis, the largest campus in the University of California system. 
and in 2012 it was ranked as the greenest college campus in the US. 20,000 bicycles are the primary transport mode to, from and around the campus. And the motto of the city is the most bicycle-friendly town in the world. Just around midnight we'll be leaving Sacramento, a city that was first settled in 1839 and in 1854 became the state capital. Sacramento became famous as the western terminus for the Pony Express. It was also the starting point for the construction of the transcontinental railway going eastbound. It met the westbound construction in 1869 at a place called Promontory Summit in Utah, 66 miles northwest of Salt Lake City. A specially chosen Chinese and Irish crew had taken only 12 hours to lay the final 10 miles of track in time for the ceremony where the last spike was driven in to hold the track. When we pass Roseville, the Coast Starlight will leave the route that it shares with Amtrak's Capital Corridor and California Zephyr trains. Just before passing through the station, we'll pass through the Union Pacific Yard and also a locomotive shop. By the time the clock is approaching 2 o'clock, we will be going through Chico, home to a California State University campus. At 3.06, we're due to leave Reading, a town where the Sacramento River comes straight through the town flowing from the densely forested and snow-capped mountains surrounding the city. Less than an hour's drive away, tourists enjoy lakes, waterfalls and historic Gold Rush ruins. During the Gold Rush, the area that makes up the city of Reading was known as Poverty Flats, and in 1868 the Central Pacific Railroad brought property in Poverty Flats so that it could build a northern terminus. At the same time as it was built, the town was also built and named Reading in honour of the railway's land agent, a gentleman called Benjamin Reading. Like Chico, it's another station that only has two trains a day, generating an average of 33 passengers. We passed through Dunsmuir at approximately 5 o'clock this morning. This was a classic railway town that can now best be described as an alpine village. The town claims to have the best water on earth. It's a hub for tourism and visitors enjoy fishing, skiing, climbing and sightseeing and has preserved an authentic 1920s and 30s look and feel. In addition, it's known as a train town. Visitors enjoy the sights and sounds of the railway in the steep Sacramento River Canyon. It's the northernmost Amtrak station in California and is unstaffed and on average days used by 15 passengers. Just past Dunsmuir is the site of the largest hazardous chemical spill in Californian history. It happened in July 1991 when a train derailed into the upper Sacramento River at Horseshoe Curve and a tank car ruptured spilling its entire contents of a soil fumigant into the river resulting in the death of over a million fish, tens of thousands of amphibians and crayfish, and in addition hundreds of thousands of trees and shrubs died over the 41 miles from the spill site to the entry point of the river into the Shasta Lake. We would have crossed the Oregon-California state line approximately 20 miles north of Dunsmuir at around 5.30 this morning. At the moment the train is heading through a wooded and scrubby area with lots and lots of beautiful hills and incredibly beautiful sunrise this morning. There's a little bit of cloud in the blue sky but I think it's going to be another wonderful day.
I'm in the dining car. I've just ordered my breakfast, some scrambled eggs and a cup of tea, or more truthfully, a cardboard beaker of tea. We're travelling through plateau with hills on either side. It's certainly farming area, I think, because I've seen a number of tractors and things like that with what look like small hill farms. Also, as we travelled through the hills, there were a lot of people camping on the hillsides. It is an area of absolutely beautiful, spectacular scenery. Falls departure approximately quarter past eight in the morning. This is the gateway to much of the southern Oregon, northern California region, offering lots of outdoor activities such as cross-country skiing, that's of course when the snow's down on the ground, golfing, fishing, hunting and canoeing. The town itself was founded in 1867 and the first major industry in the town was logging. In 1906, a major project was started to drain marshland and move water to enable agriculture to take place. There was damage to many downtown buildings in 1993 when a series of earthquakes struck near the falls. This town is known as Oregon's City of Sunshine because it enjoys 300 days of sun each year. And the climate features cold, snowy winters, hot summer afternoons and cool summer nights. Our station was built in 1916 and is staffed. In 2016 it was used by 33,700 passengers. I found a person sat on this train, laptop, power, powerful camera, radio, whole lot of equipment and says on his shirt Southampton University Wireless Society. Now I've come from Farnham in Surrey and where do you live? Basingstoke. So we've come all the way to Oregon and yet our homes are about 20 miles apart. <laughs> Absolutely yeah yeah. So why are you doing this? So I'm a, um, a rail enthusiast myself um, and um, it sort of occurred to me just a few months ago that the, the current government in, in the US um, aren't particularly keen on publicly funded things and of course um, uh, most of the railway routes in the US are publicly funded so I thought I'd uh, yeah sort of sample them um, uh, while I could. So I'm doing a 10-day um, tour across the US um, on um, uh, quite a wide variety of uh, trains. Um, the itinerary was actually uh, suggested to me by a friend, but uh, I sort of um, worked out the timings and made it fit within 10 days. <laughs> OK, then, so which trains have you, are you travelling on? So I've been on the Lakeshore Limited from New York to Chicago, the uh, California Zephyr from Chicago to uh, Emeryville near San Francisco, 
now I'm currently on the coast starlight uh, from um, uh, San Jose um, up to Seattle. Um, then I'm on the Empire Builder from Seattle across back to Chicago, and then finally the uh, Capitol Limited uh, to Washington, D.C. That's quite a trip. I thought I was doing quite well by doing the Coast Starlight followed by the Empire Builder and the California Zephyr. <laughs> so you're visiting more than the 15 states that I'm visiting. Oh, wow, yeah. I haven't counted how many it is. <laughs> and are you enjoying it? Absolutely, yes, yes. It's a wonderful journey. I mean, the trains are really nice. I've sort of slept better than or I've slept on most trains in the past, at least. Um, yeah, it's... Uh, absolutely fantastic and of course the scenery is just marvellous you get a far better chance of seeing the actual country than if you were driving or maybe taking a greyhound bus absolutely yeah 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 i mean i'm uh, yeah i mean roads travel is fine but i'm i'm not the sort of person who sort of wants to do it for a long period and i'd i'd probably be more sort of distracted by my discomfort or whatever than uh, than than then I, 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 I would be on a train so, so I mean here it's just complete like the railway and then it's just nothing else but sort of countryside and you've just got sort of so much opportunity to watch uh, the scenery passing Well it's great to talk to you and amazing that uh, we live so close to each other <laughs> Absolutely yeah. But it, it is absolutely stunning here travel along the eastern shore at the upper Klamath Lake for 18 miles. As we travel along the lake, which is stunningly beautiful, we stopped for about 20 minutes to wait for two freight trains to pass us. It's a, one of the largest freshwater lakes west of the Rockies. It's 8 miles wide and 20 miles long. And we also see the snow-covered peak of Mount McLaughlin, which is 9,495 feet high. Most of the trees in the area that we're passing through are conifers, but from time to time we do come across patches of deciduous trees. This podcast has been made by the Mr. T Podcast Studio. Thank you very much for listening.